hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, tiyala la bohoshata ka tiyala la makar boshata. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It's by the Spirit of the Lord that we are here today. God has called us. God has already spoken to us. Thank you, Brother Chandler, for praying over me and speaking God's Word in my life. Hallelujah. Are you here to receive more of what God has? More. I'm here to receive more. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You're going back to your seats. You don't have to. Hallelujah. It's a privilege for Sister Keck and I to be with you, and we greet you from the wonderful state of Missouri, New Life Church in Chillicothe and Brookfield and Carrollton and Princeton. Amen. God is doing a work for his kingdom, and that's what we are here today to do, to enjoy the blessings of God that are upon you all. There's an anointing, there's a, an open door here, but not just here, throughout this state. I've traveled from here to the other side and all the way into Wyoming. I've, I've been through the entirety of your state, east and west, and not fully north and south, but south anyway, to at least central. And there is such an openness in the spirit. There really is. There's something has uh, been broken from what I hear. Uh, I've always felt this openness. I've been coming here for about four years now. And we have always experienced that and had a high sense of what God is doing. Isn't that right, Sister Keck? There's been a blessing upon this district, upon this state, and particularly upon this church, and upon Bishop and Sister Powell. Amen. I speak to you today from the Word of God as he has raised up his man and his woman for this congregation, for this district, for this time, and you all are a part of it, and what a blessing it is to be a part of that. Amen? Hallelujah. You all are so gracious and kind to us, and we uh, want to reciprocate that to the best of our ability. Uh, it's been said that we're part of Nebraska now, so we've just kind of coined the phrase, we're Mobraska. <clears throat> Mobraska. Amen, amen. We do feel a part. Uh, Bishop, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm a kind of warm-natured. Would it be okay to remove my coat? Okay. I'll, I'll keep it on if need be. Oh, no, sir. I'll take mine off, too. Okay. Amen. Hallelujah. It is good to be here. We regret that Brother Woodward is not able to be with us this weekend, and uh, we preached with him in Missouri at the district conference as well, and I told him I was looking forward to teaming up with him uh, this week, but that uh, did not happen, but God knows, and so we want to just stand in and do the best of our ability here today and to bring the word of the Lord to you as God has given it to us. Wasn't the music and the worship tremendous today? Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. It, it just moves us into the presence of God. And what more can we say about the Chandlers? Amen. They are dynamic. They're not singers. They're worshipers. And they allow the Spirit of God just to flow through them, through their music. They, they prophesy on their instruments. They speak to us from their heart. They follow the leading of God. 
and we are thrilled that we have already booked them for New Year's Eve and New Year's Day in, uh, in Chillicothe, so we're glad for that. We already got them on, so if you want them, you'll have to wait another time. Amen, amen. Without further ado, I want to turn your attention to 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to just kind of lift out verse 7 here as a launching point today. God bless all of our sound and media people. They're doing a great job. We appreciate them as well. The ushers and everyone else here. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. Can you all hear me okay? It's usually not a problem for me. For God hath not given us the spirit of timidity. But of power and of love and of a sound mind. We are not a people who lack courage nor confidence. The Duke said it like this. Courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. We are not a timid people today. Proverbs 28 and 1 says, The wicked flee where no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold, As a lion. Lions possess courage and boldness because it was bestowed upon them from their creator. And because of their boldness, they refuse to retreat from threats or attacks. With a roar that can be heard up to five miles away. The lion declares that they are an animal to be reckoned with. The lion is a symbol of fearlessness, strength, and invincibility. And that is why they are mentioned some 155 times in the scripture, in the Old Testament in particular. And that brings me to this, audacious faith, audacious faith. Bishop, lift your voice and pray for us. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm going to receive the word of the Lord today. Give us ears to hear, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. Audacious faith displays a willingness to take surprisingly bold risk with confidence. Audacious faith is the willingness of us to step out, to step forward, and to speak out what God has put in our heart. It's not our own mind that I'm talking about today. It's what God puts in us from his word. Things that are already settled. Things that have already been declared. Things that have already been prophesied over us and into us. Audacious faith is willing to step out and to declare with total confidence that yes, I believe. And because I believe, I shall respond. And when I respond, I shall see the results that God has ordained. Can you say amen? Oh, I need somebody to preach with me here today. 
Astro Teller is the CEO of Google X. He is also known as the captain of moonshots. That an amazing and awesome title. How would you like to be captain of moonshots? Well, that didn't happen by accident. That, that's not a self-made title. That was bestowed upon him because of who he is and his ability to think beyond. Dr. Teller used the term moonshot for looking beyond where you can actually see and envisioning an answer that doesn't seem reasonable and yet pursuing it anyway. It's about doing things that sound undoable. It's about changing one's perspective. At X, it's the deepest held principle. Matter of fact, they reward people for failure. Now, now why would they do that? Because they want people to be free to explore the unknown. They don't want people being held back by being tagged a failure. So they actually rejoice. They actually have rewards and awards about that. At the end of every year, they have a big banquet. And they do all of these things because they want to reward the fact that people are willing to step up and people are willing to step out. And what they found from that is they come up with audacious ideas. Because it is changing their perspective that they're all about. Because so many people operate from the point of fear and failure is the ultimate part of that fear. Nobody wants to be deemed a failure. Nobody wants to be a loser. Nobody wants to wear the L. Dr. Teller says that 10x or 10 times can be easier to achieve than 10%. Stick with me here. You see, the secret is this. It's easier to get people to work on making something 10 times better than to get them to help to make something just 10% better. I think Teller is right. Because when you face huge problems, you get fired up. Your heart begins to grow because you look at something that is impossible to others. And there's no fear of failure because most people won't even try. And so it changes their heart. It changes their mind. And when you're aiming for a 10 times gain or a 10x gain, you can't just slog through it. You've got to be totally and completely invested. You have to find whole new ways of doing things and lean on bravery and creativity, the kind that literally and metaphorically is what put men on the moon. But yet it took four 100,000 people for the Apollo 11 mission to be possible. We don't think about that. But it took a whole team of people. President John F. Kennedy was touring NASA. And he met a janitor introduced himself. President John F. Kennedy greeted him and said, Sir, what do you do? What, what's your responsibility? He said, Sir, I am here to put a man on the moon. 
Others may have thought, no, he's just the custodian. He's the janitor. But he got it. He understood the mission. And he understood his part in the mission. That everybody is important. It takes that kind of mindset to do what no one has ever done before. It took mechanical engineers. It took fashion designers. It took teams reaching from New England to California. Behind the millions of rocket components were many more millions of prototypes and experiments that did not work. All of the rough ideas and uncomfortable moments that were necessary to solve problems that no one had ever faced before. They weren't just creating solutions. They were creating problems that no one had ever come against before. And once they had a problem, then they had to come up with a solution. You couldn't fall back on anything. Are you following me here today? This is the moonshot creativity in action. This is what we're looking for on a massive scale. Because moonshots are mindsets. A moonshot mindset is what takes you into the great unknown. Think about it today. I know as I was preparing this, that there's a generation that, that, that won't understand this because they've always had it. But for some of us, the early 60s are still a memory. Now, I know some people said if you remember the 60s, you weren't there. That's a whole other level, though. Mm-hmm. You see, it was President Kennedy in the early 60s that declared the United States would put a man on the moon. Yet, spacecraft for moon landings didn't exist. There were no spacesuits. There were no computers capable of space navigation. There was no tang. How could you go to the moon without tang? I still love Tang. Been drinking it since I was a kid. I, I think that's in my DNA, Bishop. That Tang is a part of the moonshot. I remember as a, as a little boy in 1969 looking up at the moon, staring at it. I was trying to see them. It was a full moon and I'm out on that July evening. We came home from somewhere late and I just stood out before walking up the steps and into the house. And I was peering up and I was looking because I wanted to see Neil Armstrong. I wanted to see Buzz Aldrin. I wanted to see Michael Collins. I wanted to see them. And I'm looking all around and squinting my eyes thinking that I could see them on the moon because it was rather close to me. You see, in my childlike mind and understanding, it was doable. It was there. I didn't know how and I didn't care how. I just knew the idea exists and they were there and I wanted to be there. I wanted to be a part of it. It's still one of my dreams to this day to ride a moon buggy on the moon. I wanted a Billy Blastoff. I, I never got one. I found one recently on eBay. And I was that close to purchasing it. You see, President Kennedy made a powerful choice to be a pragmatic optimist and to ask for something that, if possible at all, would require yet radical reimagination of what space flight could be. 10x thinking, not 10% thinking. Church, 
this isn't just for the scientist. This isn't just for NASA. When our problems make us feel small and helpless, we should reflect on the lessons of the Apollo missions. We need to understand what moved them and understand our ability to choose bravery over fear and to set aside apathy in favor of audacious faith. Because it is our audacious faith that will carry us into the great unknown. With audacious faith, we gain traction against our most pressing problems. I need an amen. You see, I believe this deeply. And we need more people than ever to believe that they are capable of this too. Moonshots are things that are almost impossible to achieve. But for us, we take it another step further. We don't stop at the almost impossible. We stand at the door of the unknown and walk through into the impossible. Because we have more than just human creativity. We have the creative power, the dunamis of God that resides in us. And we activate that dunamis by our faith. That's how we reach the highest points. That's how we hit the target. And this is what will take us safely into the great unknown. Now, what is the great unknown? Well, you all have your own definition, but let me give you mine. The great unknown is anything which is not within the scope of existing knowledge. Especially anything considered to be vast and beyond the limits of human comprehension or understanding. But the great unknown is a hard place. But it can also be a place of great peace and joy if we allow it. It will be the place where we find our greatest victory, our greatest solace, our greatest hope, and our greatest legacy. It's there. Oh, it's there. It's out there. The great unknown is where we'll find God in the mysteries. We need to be seekers of the mystery. We need to be those that discern the times and understand, like the children of Issachar, what was going on and move deeper and further into the great unknown until we uncover it, until the revelation, until the apocalypse is unveiled and all of us can see what is out there and what God has for us. Let's not depend upon the world. Let's not depend upon religion. Let's go beyond, church. Let it happen in you. Let it happen in me. Let it happen in us. Let us go and take the journey with audacious faith. Woo! The great unknown is where audacious faith lives. Go ahead and clap your hands to the Lord. Lord, move over us right now. Come on. Come on. Open your spirit. Open your mind. Oh, Holy Ghost, move. Move up and down these aisles. Move between these chairs right now. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, move among us. The Apostle Paul was a man of audacious faith. 
Acts 20, verse 20. Thank you. I've highlighted this for you with a slide. Hopefully you can read that. 20 and 20, as he's speaking to the elders of Ephesians. The Ephesian elders were there and he met them at Miletus and he was recounting what had happened and the time that he spent there, a little over two years, ministering to the Ephesians, pouring himself out. And what you'll notice is this, that when you read the book of Ephesians, it's a very deep and a very spiritual book. You know what it contains? Mysteries. But the mysteries are unveiled. Now, how is this possible? Because the Apostle Paul was a man, Brother Isaac, of audacious faith. And for two years, he taught them every day. Rented out the school of Tyrannus. It was like a multi-use room. And they would take this siesta in the afternoon, sometime between like 11 and 2. Pretty great way to do things, right? Talk about a long lunch. And that's part of the culture. So what the Apostle Paul did was he rented this from Tyrannus. In this multi-use facility, he taught them and had school, as it were, every day. And he taught them, and he taught them, and he preached to them, and he sent them out, and others came in, and he taught them, and he taught them for two years. Why do you think the church in Ephesus was so powerful? Why do you think the church in Ephesus was the final church that John pastored? It's the first church in the book of the Revelation, chapter 2. Of the seven churches. It's the lead church. And the reason because Paul was there teaching. And showing them the great mysteries. And taking them deeper and deeper and deeper. And this was by design, Bishop. This didn't just happen. They weren't just having church. But he was intentional. He was deliberate in everything that he did. And it says here in our verse, And how I kept back nothing. That was profitable unto you. But have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. Now the phrase, I kept back nothing is made up of the primary verb hupostello and the pronoun udice this vernacular comes from the vocabulary of sailors and it was used for taking in and sending out the sails you see, in Acts 20, 20, the apostle Paul declared that he had no such reservations, but he had finished his course with his sails unfurled. And he opened his sails and put them into the driving wind where he delivered to the Ephesians the whole counsel of God. And because of this, they were emboldened and they too gained audacious faith. They too looked out at the sea and said, take me wherever you want. Take me into the great unknown. I am willing to go. I am willing to move. I have whole doctrine. I have complete admonishment. I have seen full labor and I have experienced maximum power from the man of God and now it beats in their breast every one of them because he was faithful and fearless 
and preached and taught them everything that would promote their salvation and discipleship. What's your moonshot into the great unknown, church? We're not just spending time together. We're deliberate. We're intentional. There's a plan. There's a purpose. Bishop, we're here today to accomplish the will of God. When Bishop and First Lady came to Chillicothe back in February, they ministered in a deep and profound way. Because they came with purpose. And they came with experience. They came with knowledge. They came with fervor. But most of all, they came full of the Holy Ghost. They were led by the Holy Spirit. And they spoke things into the people that they could only dream about and had only dreamed about. But when they spoke words into their life, as Bishop Powell and Sister Powell worked the altars and began to prophesy, he, he prophesied over me, and I won't get into all of that, but what he prophesied over me, I think it was the third of five prophecies that have come to me this year and they are all were connective and congruent started off at because of the times and has just come on down five different times into our ministry God used men to come and to prophesy into our lives God has used women to prophesy into our lives and to speak the word because they weren't fearful nor they were they afraid and they spoke things that others would not even utter because they are willing to step out because there is no fear for the righteous because the righteous are bold as a lion Roar! We will not be held back. We will not be kept back. We will not shut up. We will not sit down. We will stand up and speak up and stand out and show up and allow God to do what God wants to do. But you got to be bold. You gotta be audacious. What's your moonshot? Into the great unknown. What are you dealing with in the privacy of your home? In the darkness of the night? What are the things that you dare not utter? Because you're afraid you'll Bring evil to pass. What's occupying your heart and your mind right now? What's holding you back from greater things? Where, where's our singers? Stand up, singers. Worship team. Hey, man, were you just singing those words that last song? Or is it just something we do? We just sing because the words are there? I don't think so. You're singing. You're playing. You're speaking forth words of faith to inspire us so that we'll catch fire. You see what happens with them is they practice and they prayed and they've been over these songs many more times than you will ever think. And they until it's a part of their spirit and they're and so when they're singing, they're not just singing words. They're singing ideas. They're singing concepts. They're singing out in faith. And when that happens, it ministers to us. And the wave comes over us. And, and we start to feel it. Sister Tiffany, I, I've heard that song twice. And my God, it ministered to me. 
so deep, so powerfully. There's a change there. It's deep. I don't know where that song came from in your life. And I don't even want to know all that you went through to bring those words to pass. But I thank you that you did it so I didn't have to, so I could be the benefactor of that, or the beneficiary, I mean, of that. So I'm, I'm the one that received that. But see, she had to pay a price to bring that song to us. And what I'm talking about today is having faith that moves beyond. Abraham was a man of audacious faith. Hebrews 11, verse 8. I'll need you to see the screen. Hopefully you can. Someone told me you like a lot of word. Somebody said this is a word church. Well, I feel right at home then. <clears throat> Hebrews eleven eight begins with two words. What are those two words? By faith. Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for inheritance. You, you see, at this point, his name wasn't even Abraham, was it? It, it was Abram. But he was called to go into a place which he should after, everybody say after, receive for an inheritance. And he obeyed. Where did he go, somebody? Uh, tell me after the comma. What, what does it say here? Help me out here. Not knowing whither he went. He went out into the great unknown. But he did it out of obedience. He did it because God called him. He did it because God spoke those words and put them into his spirit. Abraham did not know where God was sending him. And it did not matter because God was with him. And I'm telling you today, wherever God has taken you, wherever he's sending you, whatever promise he has given you, it doesn't matter where that takes you because he is with you. Quit looking at the problem and start focusing on the promise. <laughs> Hebrews 11.1, 1, first two words. Now faith is the substance of things what? Future. Hoped for future. What is the evidence? The evidence is the present tense of things what? You, you don't see it. Faith is seeing the unknown. Faith is knowing without knowing. Faith is seeing without seeing. Faith is experiencing without yet having experienced it. That's audacious faith. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. The reason why we're here today is because of what the elders did. Because of their faith. We're going to talk about them in just a moment. Hallelujah. Hebrews 11.9. Keep, keep walking with me. You ready? 11.9. And you begin with? By faith. Abraham sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of what? What kind of promise? One more time. What kind of promise? I, I know I'm being redundant, but we need to understand this. The promises of God are in him. Yes and amen. There's an affirmation and there is a follow through. The affirmation is yes and the amen means so be it. It will come to pass. And when we stand on the promises of God, they are yes and amen. 
For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker was man. Are you sure? Did I write that down wrong? I must have. Whose builder and maker is what? God. You see, we're not looking for a man-made project. We're not looking for something that you and I can do with our physical strength and our own human creativity. We're looking to go beyond. We are looking to walk into the realm of the impossible. We're walking into the realm of God's prophetic word. We're walking into the realm where the promises of God are happening and they will continue to happen. Those things that other people say, quit praying about it, just give up, go ahead and quit. It's all right. It must be God's will. I'm telling you no I'm telling you no I'm telling you no keep praying don't quit don't give up don't let that lost loved one stay lost don't say well that's their choice I'm just going to let them be yes it's their choice for now but we don't quit praying we don't give up on them we don't give up on anybody we're going to pray them into the kingdom of God until they know what we know we're going to pray the prayers that they should be praying but aren't praying we're going to stand in their place we're going to put X and we're going to stand on that X and we're going to say this is where they belong and here's the prayer they should be praying and we're going to do it for them that's what intercession is substituting ourselves for them you got any unanswered prayers brother I'm sure you do are you just going to give up on them what are you going to do? Come on. He said, keep on what? Keep on, keep on what? Keep on praying and One thinking. Keep on praying. Do you believe in the impossible? Do you believe in the God of the impossible? I do too, brother. And I'm going to bind with you right now in the name of Jesus. These needs, these requests that have been made known, I bind with my brother right now in the name of Jesus. We too agreeing on this one thing that you're going to answer, that you're going to bring him to pass, that you're going to move because he has audacious faith. And I believe with him you're going to bring it to pass, God, because there is nothing too hard. With you, God, there is nothing impossible. For the promise is unto you and to your children and them afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall you got something from the Lord? You need something. What do you need from God, brother? You've been healed. Are you willing to claim that? Lift your hands right now. I want you to profess that. I want you to say, Lord Jesus, I've received my healing. I've received my healing. I've received the blessings. God, I stand on the promise because your word has been given to me. Hallelujah. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, my brother in the blue shirt has received it. Yes, he has. Hebrews 11, 11 and 12. Keep walking. First two words, everybody. 
Also, Sarah herself, not just no Abe, but Sarah, her audacious faith, she received strength in the deadness of her womb. The evidence everybody knew. All the baby clothes she had were moth-eaten and destroyed. A thing of the past. A faded painful memory. Yet through audacious faith, Sarah herself received strength. Where did that strength come from? From God. She had no strength, but he was her strength. I'm telling you, church, there are times when you don't have strength. There are, there are times when you just don't have it. I'm, I'm sorry, brother. One more time. He does. Come on. Yes. Well, come on. Yes. Come on. Well, well, well. Hallelujah. She conceived seed and was delivered of the child of promise because she judged him faithful who had promised her not the deadness of her womb, not the apparent situation, not what was staring her in the face, but in the promise of God because it's through, 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 through faith. Therefore sprang even, how many? One. Why? Because that's all it needed. Just one. Even one. One one, one. That's all God needed. And him, as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky and the multitude. Moonshots. And as the sand which is by the seashore, Sally, innumerable. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 13. Putting the brakes on. Oh. These all did what? Died in faith. Because the promises of God are so expansive that one lifetime cannot hold them. One generation, many generations. You see, it would take all, everybody say all. All generations for the promises of God to be fulfilled because they're so expansive. You see, whatever God sets in motion stays in motion. God spoke the worlds into existence, didn't he? The cosmos that we enjoy, the moonshots that we think about, the universe, God spoke it into existence. Now, in the early 1900s, scientists said that we lived in a static universe, that it wasn't moving, wasn't expanding. Even Albert Einstein agreed with this theory. You see, because of all the fellow scientists said it's static, he went along with it. It took Edwin Hubble one year to track this to show that in fact it is not static but the universe is expanding. You see, Albert Einstein didn't believe his own physics 
But physics, oh, they do not lie. One man said, figures don't lie, but liars figure. You see, and what we've learned is not only that the universe is expanding, but it's expanding at a higher rate of speed every moment. Not only is it growing, but as it grows, it grows faster and faster and faster. It's constantly growing, but each moment, each second, each millisecond, each nanosecond, it's growing faster at a faster rate. Because whatever God sets in motion stays in motion. And though they died, they died in faith, not having received all the promises, but having seen them where afar off through their audacious faith. What were they? They were persuaded of them. They embraced them. What I'm telling you today is to hold on to the promises of God. I don't care if for 75 years you've been praying and you haven't seen it come to pass. Keep on praying. We are living off of the benefit and the prayer of those that have come before us. Nebraska, Omaha. All of you in the surrounding areas, the reason why we are here today is because someone believed we could have what we have and they prayed and they fasted and they gave themselves and they poured themselves with audacious faith and believed that we could do it. They were persuaded and they embraced the promises of God and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth because we are from the other side. We are emissaries and ambassadors. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they have been mindful of the previous country from whence they came out of, they might have had opportunity. Warning, 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 Will Robinson. Hold on. Be careful here. Don't create opportunities to return. Keep marching. Keep moving, keep embracing, keep believing, keep confessing, keep declaring, keep decreeing the promises that God has given you or you'll create a false exit. Don't abort your mission just because there's turbulence. Just because you lose temporary communication, do not abort the mission. Keep going. Keep hanging in there. Keep moving forward with courage. But now they desire a better country, that is, and heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Ooh, a city. A city where the Lamb is the light. A city where there is no night. A city where the leaves never fade. A city that produces 12 manner of fruit. Every year, once a month, a new fruit. Fruit of the month club from Jesus. A city. No temple needed because the Lamb of God is that temple. Verse 17, by faith Abraham. Everybody say, by faith. Abraham, when he was tried, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. You see, he that had received the promises, he received it in the flesh. He, he could go up and hug that promise and he did every day. He said, I love your promise. Oh, you're my promise, son. Oh, I, I love the laughter, Sarah said. I, I love to hear him laugh. It makes me laugh. 
And everybody started to rejoice. Every time Isaac was around, everybody laughed. Everybody rejoiced. For he was the promise personified. He was what God said he would be. And they received him and loved him and held him tight. But God wanted to show Abraham how strong Abraham's faith really was. You see, when God tests us, he's not trying us to fail. The testing comes to show us how strong in him we really are. You see, there's a no-fail policy where God allows us to rejoice and to step out because we're not the producers of it anyway. We don't produce anything other than our prayer and our faith in Him. He is the producer. He is the one that brings it to pass. Being confident of this very thing, Paul said. I'm confident of this very thing. He which hath what? Begun a work, a good work work in you will do what will perform it will perform it until the day of what Jesus Christ see God's going to perform all those works that he's put in us all of those things that are deep in our soul that he's given us and we confess them Paul was telling the church in Philippi, through your weakness, through your inadequacies, through all the things that you think you can't do, God is your performer. He's the one that's going to bring it to pass. And Abraham understood that. Abraham got that. Now it took him about 40 years of walking with God. So young saint friend of mine, don't give up. Don't worry. Don't quit. Just keep hanging in there. Because all the trials that you're going through, all the difficulties, all the prayers that haven't been answered yet, there's a reason why you haven't received the answer. Because God is strengthening your faith. And he's holding on to those promises. And he will deliver them to you in his time. Everything is beautiful. When? In his time. Does this mic shut off at a, for a certain time? I'm not sure. I got to keep rolling though. When Abraham was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promise, promises offered up his only begotten son of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Here's the key right here. This is what Abraham got, and this is what I want you to get. Accounting that. Here it is. You ready? Everybody say these words, beginning with God. You ready? Here we go. God was able to raise him up. That's audacious faith. Abraham staggered not at the promises of God. Oh, he staggered before, but not now. He's not staggering any longer. He is marching up that hill. He is going up. He told them, the lad and I will be back. Three days journey, we're going to be back. We're going to go yonder and worship. We're going up the mountain. I'm going up. On the rough side of the mountain. And that's what he said. And they marched up that mountain, he and Isaac. And Isaac said, we've got the wood, we've got the fire, we got everything. The rocks are here. What are we lacking? We're lacking a sacrifice. But Abraham said, God will provide himself a sacrifice. And he put Isaac on the rocks. And Isaac, having an obedient spirit, just laid there and waited as Abraham took the knife and was about to slice his throat for the blood offering. Some say Abraham was timid. He wasn't timid. He was bold. He was going to do it because here's what Abraham knew, that he was going to offer Isaac because God told him to do that. No question. 
whatever God wants. You see, here's the problem, church. We struggle sometimes when God calls us to offer the promise that he's given us back on the altar. When he says, give it up. Well, wait a minute, you gave it to me, this is mine. He said, give it up, give it up, give it up. What he was doing was showing Abraham and everyone else how strong his faith was. Because here is the crux of the point. Abraham believed that God would raise up Isaac out of the ashes. Slicing his throat, setting him afire, burning him to ash. And here's what he believed. That God was able to raise him up even from the dead. From whence also he received him as a You see, if God can bring something from nothing to begin with, don't you think he can take something to nothing back and bring it back around again? That's what faith is, understanding that, that God is able to do anything. Why do we have limitations? Well, you can't sacrifice the promise because if you kill the promise, it's over. No, God said, give him to me. And when he about did that in type, in fulfillment, in his faith. Abraham had already sacrificed Isaac. He was already dead. But this is the point. As he was putting the knife to his throat, he wasn't looking at the blood. He wasn't thinking about the ash. He was thinking about the resurrection of the promise. That's 10 time faith. 10x. Bishop, you're going to ask these good folks, not just for 10%, but for 10 times. Well, we can't do that. We don't have the resources. We don't have the manpower. We don't have the time. We don't have this. We don't, yeah, you don't have any of that. But it doesn't depend upon you. The only way we're going to have end time revival is for God to give it to us. But the only way God will give it to us if we present ourselves to him. You see how that works? It's interdependent. What Bishop is going to ask you to do, you just do it. I don't care how crazy. I don't care how hard. But don't do it in your flesh. Don't do it in your mind. Do it with audacious faith. Romans 4.16. Musicians prepare I want them to think I'm almost done. Romans 4.16 says, Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by what? Grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to only which is of the law, but to that also which is of what? The faith of Abraham. You see, this is where we get grafted in. It's not the seed of the flesh. Oh, you got to see this. The promise of God was much more than just Isaac in the flesh. The promise was that God would raise up not only Isaac, but that through him all of the earth would be blessed. And everybody, even, oh, here's how God works, even though those outside of Isaac would still be able to receive the benefit and the blessing and the promise of Isaac because God always takes his promises beyond. Why? Because the promises of God are in him, yes, and amen. So be it, moving and fulfilling beyond even what we know, going deeper into our legacy, moving beyond the here and now, and here's how we operate in that. The parenthetical statement, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. You see, he's taking him beyond the Isaac. But let's go back and read it without the parenthetical statement, okay? Not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, before him who he believed, even God, 
What does God do? God quickeneth the dead. Here it is, church. Stand with me right now. This is your moment. This is your time. All of those things that are in your heart, the great unknown that stands before you, are you ready to step out? Are you ready to step in? Are you ready to step up? Are you ready to show up? Are you ready to show out? Are you ready to speak up? Here it is. Here's your chance. Before him who he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Not are. Were. Were. Bringing the promise. Not only here and now, but substituting and usurping the present with the past. Because whatever you're dealing with presently, the promise of God in the past is greater than your problem presently. What are you struggling? You got health issues? By His stripes we were healed. In the past, right? What does he say? It happened already. Though we're experiencing situations now, it's the promise that was already given. And it was given to take us back to that before the problem ever happened. And that's how God does it. Because God is able to speak those things which are not as though they were. Not future, but now and past. This is what I want you to do. I want you to start speaking to your situation the words that God has spoken. I want you to start taking the promise that God has given you and telling it back to God. God, this is what you said. You spoke those things which are not as though they were. With audacious faith. What are you struggling with? What are you fighting with? What is that thing that is too big for you to accomplish by yourself? If you don't have a situation like that, you need one. We've got to live in the impossible. Ten X thinking. What do you say? Is anything too hard for God? What walls have you built? What limitations have you put up? What boundaries have you drawn? It's time to tear them all down. Tear them down. By the resurrection of your faith. Can you join me at this altar right now? Come on, everybody. Push in. Press in. Come on, don't leave your promise in the back seat. Come on up here. We've got to go. We've got to go. We need to start calling those things that are not as though they were. We need to start bringing it about with audacious faith in our own life. The promises that God has given us, we need to start declaring them aloud, aloud. Start speaking them. Start praying them. Start confessing them. Start preaching them. Start singing them. Start prophesying them. Come on, speak it out. What is that on your heart that is too hard? What is that lost loved one that's so far gone that you don't see how? God sees how. Come on, I need somebody to stand in. I need somebody to step up right now, right now, right now. Calling those things which be not as though they were audacious faith. Right now, right now, speak it, speak it. Speak it, speak it, declare.